Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Right now, it's okay. It'll come, it'll come when you're an empty nester. We're, we're supposed to be encouraging one another tonight in the Lord. Psalm 137, would you find that? And uh, let's be encouraged with a word tonight. Children are a heritage of the Lord. Fruit of the womb is his reward. And uh, our world kind of looks down on that. In ways, just looks at it as a disposable uh, disposable thing. But to the Christian, it is a very, very blessed thing. Praise the Lord. There's something special about their little smiles and especially when you start seeing them uh, take on uh, the look. I, my wife sent me a picture this week, and I was like, man, she has mom's smile. You know, it's just, it, it's something special. All right, let's look here at Psalm 137 tonight, and uh, still in our, our series, uh, loosely held together series, Talk Less, Pray More. And uh, we'll have to uh, think a little bit tonight as we connect all this together. But Psalm 137, I want us to read this very thoughtfully, and uh, just be encouraged by this tonight. It says here, Songs of Zion, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Have you ever been homesick? I remember when I was dropped off at college. I think my mom was more uh, sad than I was. But, you know, you, you felt it, right? But here they're homesick, they're in Babylon. They're about 500 miles away from home if you took a straight shot. And uh, much more the route that they would have to take. Would you show that map? It's a bit of a a journey uh, over to Babylon from Jerusalem. They were away from home. But it wasn't just that they were away from home, they were in a pretty, uh, pretty difficult situation. They were in exile. We hanged our harps upon the the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Sing us one of the songs of the homeland. Uh, they like uh, being taken away from America and, and your, your enemy captors saying, Sing us the Star-Spangled Banner right? Uh, Sing us your triumphant songs. Verse 4, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning, forget the ability to strum a harp or uh, to play an instrument. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy, now notice, remember, O Lord, remember, O Lord, the children of Edom, 
in the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. O daughter of Babylon, who art thou to be uh, destroyed? Happy, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stone. You can uh, hear the incredible emotion that is inside that psalm. But I want us to think about this before we, uh, before we jump into our main passage of Scripture tonight. Here we are. They're in, they're in Babylon. Have you ever been uh, in trouble? Can you remember back to being in trouble as a child, uh, being in trouble with your parents? I, can, uh, I don't know why this sticks in my mind very vividly. Uh, remember being across the street at my neighbor's red house. Uh, the neighbor lady's name was Linda. And uh, remember uh, talking, they were having a garage sale. Her and another uh, neighbor lady were over there. And I think I was probably 10, 11 years old. But I remember bemoaning the fact that I always felt like I was in trouble. You know, as a, as a little adolescent guy, always in trouble. You know. And uh, part of that was because I was always running my mouth and just, just constantly saying things, and it got me in trouble. It reminds me of my little buddy Jason right? And, uh, and so um, I remember that very vividly. Proverbs ten nineteen says, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not, there lacketh not sin, right? And, you know, you're going to get in trouble if you run your mouth a whole lot. And it uh, is some of the problem with some of our politicians running the mouth a whole lot and getting themselves in all sorts of trouble. But, uh, you yeah, know, I just remember vividly uh, saying that, and it's kind of interesting the feelings that go along with being in trouble with mom and dad. You kind of feel like, hey, I'm on the outs, they don't like me, that, those type of feelings. And, and certainly that's not their heart, but an immature perspective has that uh, at times. And uh, that feeling of I'm in trouble and that feeling of kind of being flatlined, that feeling of kind of being dejected, depressed, you know, despondent. I'm in trouble. Uh, or uh, you, you hear the phone ring. Is that someone calling to tell uh, my mom and dad that I did something that I shouldn't have done? You know, that just that feeling of dread in that, in that uh, situation. You know, it's one thing to be in trouble with parents. It's a whole other thing to be in trouble with God. And here in Psalm 137, we find the children of Israel in the midst of trouble with God. They weren't in Babylon because they were pleasure cruising there and they were on a, you know, a vacation over there sightseeing in Babylon. They were there because God allowed them to be exiled because of their disobedience and unbelief and their idolatry and their uh, national leader's pride, as we talked about on Sunday, even with Hezekiah and so on. So um, have you ever felt like you're in a situation, and you could liken this to, um, to parents, maybe, maybe a teenager feels like they can't talk to mom and dad because they've done something wrong. They, they, don't, they don't feel like the ability to go and have a conversation. Have you ever felt like because you've done something wrong with God, that you've sinned, you, you, you're on the outs and you cannot even talk to him, that there's not that, that relationship, there's the, it's just not warm, it's not there, um, and you find yourself in the middle of that, that trouble that you've brought on yourself. You feel like, well, I've, I've done this to myself. How in the world can I talk to God? Would God even answer me? Would, does God care to hear from me? Does God, or am I just kind of in the outs? And you know what's interesting here? I want us to remember this hermeneutic. And that's a big word for the, 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 the way that we interpret Scripture. But do remember this hermeneutic. As you read the Old Testament, it's very, very valuable. How God dealt with Old Testament Israel as a whole, God deals with the New Testament believer as an individual. So think of Israel in all of its parts, 12 tribes, 
and, and so on, and how God dealt with them, how they would have sin in the camp with Achan, maybe you can liken that to sin in our heart, and how God dealt with the whole nation of Israel and brought, brought them all to a, a military defeat at Ai. Why? Because one man in Israel sinned, and so God brought that, that, the judgment or the consequence upon the whole nation. Well, that's why he deals with us in our, in our heart. We allow sin one part of our life. He brings defeat into our lives, okay? He allows that defeat to happen. So how God deals with Old Testament Israel as a whole, he deals with the New Testament believer, and that's how you can, you can really read the Old Testament and gain a whole lot of application for your life uh, in, in your Bible study. So here we are in Psalm 137, and they're in Babylon, of their own doing. God has allowed them to be there. They're in exile because they deserve to be there. And this, this psalm accurately portrays their feelings and yes, even their prayers to God down in verse number seven, their prayers to God. God, we, we want you to bring judgment upon those that hurt us and that brought about this whole thing. So in verses one through three, of uh, Psalm 137, we see the despair. They don't even have a song anymore. I mean, they're just, they're, they're really discouraged. And as they hear the Babylonians say, hey, sing to us, sing to us, come on, sing. I mean, be, be joyful. What's wrong? What's so bad about this Babylon? They knew why they were there, and they're in despair. They're sorrowing in the captivity and in the consequences of sin. They're, they're suffering under this, and so it opens up. They wept there. They remember back to their homeland. They're, they're really struggling with this whole matter of the consequences of sin. By the way, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard, and, and the consequences of sin aren't easy, and they're difficult, and we understand that in our own lives. Verses four through six, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? How are we gonna lift a, a, a word of praise to God when we're in the middle of this strange land and we're here because of our own sinfulness? And verse seven through nine, uh, this prayer against the Edomites and also against the Babylonians. Lord, remember them and bring judgment on them. You have to admit, that last verse is pretty hefty. I mean, let their little ones be dashed. I mean, that is a pretty hefty prayer. They're in agony, and they don't like at all what they're going through. So this is not a pleasant time in Israel's history, and yet what's interesting to me is we say God never leaves us, he never forsakes his own, and, and his promise certainly to Abraham was unconditional. It really was. I mean, he was going to always be there for his people. He was never going to give up on them. He had many chances to do that, and he did not do that. So how is God going to come to his people who are sitting there in Babylon and reassure them, hey, I'm hearing you, I, I am answering your prayer, I, I do long for you to be close to me again, I do long to help you through this, how is God going to assure them, what does he do? So if you remember back to Sunday's message, we kind of laid the groundwork for why they went into the Babylonian captivity in the first place, and what he promised them in advance in Isaiah chapter 40, when he says, I want to comfort you, I want to comfort you, on two times he says, I want to comfort you, and then we find that wonderful verse at the end of chapter 40, they that wait upon the Lord, those that lock their wings upon the Lord, shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Well, here we find Isaiah 41 and verse number 10, another favorite promise of ours, and we find it says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. 
I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Well, what's going on here? He wrote this, he gave this to the prophet Isaiah and said, I want you to declare this or write this down, and this is a, a prophesied message that I have for them in that time of captivity. So I want you to get the, the thought here that, that God is literally in advance answering a prayer or, or delivering an answer to their prayer that they haven't really prayed yet, that they haven't even walked through yet. You talk about the goodness of God. But here's a, an assuring answer to prayer that God kind of tucked away, gave. He delivered to his, his preacher and said, hey, this is for a time in the future when they're coming out the other side of this of this, cap, uh, this captivity. And so I want us to break down this very assuring answer to prayer that God had for his people. What was he saying to them? He starts out with, again, dealing with their whole matter of idolatry and helping them to realize, hey, the idols, they don't do anything for you. I'm your God. And on Sunday, we talked about how he presented himself to them. I am God, Elohim. I am Yahweh, the Lord. I am the creator of the ends of the earth, the remotest parts of the earth. I'm that God. I'm for you. I'm, I'm here for you. And so here it is again. He presents himself as God. And how does he present himself specifically? He says, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Say that with me. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. I'm with thee. I am with thee. Notice how he is declaring to his people, I am present. Yes, even in the middle of you being in trouble with me, I am present. And yes, you fear, you have emotions, you tremble, you dread, you're struggling with this. But he gives a present promise in the middle of their trouble, I am still the God that is with you. I haven't forsaken you. I'm not done with you. Uh, I, it's not that I will be with you. It's not that I, I was with you in the past. Right now, I am with you. This is a message of comfort for his people. And I don't know about you, but that's, that's highly encouraging to me to know that our God, even when we're in trouble with God, so to speak, suffering under the consequences of our own decisions, that our God still says to us, I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, there is certainly a strain in relationship. I understand all that. We can, we can apply other biblical principles to this. But the fact is, God does not leave us. And he is very gracious to us, even in the middle of trouble. I find Psalm 46 in verse number 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Is that only the trouble that comes upon us that Satan puts upon us? Or is that even the trouble that we get ourselves into? And sometimes it's interesting how we in our mind play a, a little bit of a mind game. Well, if, if the trouble came upon me, God's with me there. But if I got myself in the middle of trouble, God, I, there's no use praying. i got to get myself out of this one. Aren't you thankful that God's with us even in that? And, and it, again, it's not a meritorious thought. Well, i got to struggle my way out of this, of this, and then he'll help me. No, he is a help in trouble. He's there in the midst of trouble. Humanity was in trouble, was, uh, were we not? All of humanity, starting in chapter number three of Genesis. Uh, for as by one man sin entered into the world and, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You talk about being in trouble. Suffering under the consequences of our own sinfulness. And Jesus came to be with us in the trouble. Do you know what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 23? It says, Emmanuel, a virgin, would, uh, would conceive and bear a, a child, and they would name his 
uh, uh, the son, Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. There he is. In the middle of our trouble, God with us. In the middle of our own consequences that we absolutely deserve, God with us. He came to us in the middle of our trouble, and he did that for his people Israel right there in Babylon. God assured his people with his presence. I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, we don't have a song to sing even in the middle of our trouble. We don't have a song to sing unless we we come to the grips with the fact God's not left me. You talk about being able to worship God. When I realize I got myself into this mess and yet he's still here. Wow. What a God. I'm present. But notice what he, he goes on to say. Be not dismayed for I am the good boys God. The only the the son that stayed homes God. I am thy God. I am thy God. He uh, presents himself to his people as not only present, but I'm personal. I'm personal. I am personal to you. I am thy God. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm your God. God claims them even though they've messed up. How good it is to know that God still claims us even when we have messed up up before him and we're in the middle of trouble i oftentimes will tell my kids that uh after they've been in trouble i'll i'll hug them and i'll say something along the lines of i love you and you are my child and i'm proud of you and i'm thankful for you why just to draw them in i'm thankful for that that my heavenly father does that i'm your god i'm still your dad i'm still there for you Uh, Just remember, God is the one that uses the illustration of Father. God's the one that gives us that picture. And that's what he is. He's a father, Psalm 103, that that pities his children. I'm thy God. You don't have to be afraid. I'm your God. There's no more assuring truth to hear from God than you are mine. I'm thy God. Uh, John 10 and verse number 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me, talk about belonging, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. But think about the picture, my sheep, my sheep. You know that Jesus goes after his sheep? He goes after his sheep when they're in trouble. He still claims them. He doesn't let them stray far. He goes after them. He presents himself as, I am present, but I am personal. You still belong to me. I don't kick you out. Praise the Lord for a a God that treats us in this way. He's present. He's personal. But notice, he goes on to say that I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. I'm going to provide you with what you need. I'm going to provide you. Again, back to this thought process. I got myself in the middle of this. I got I to gotta come up with the ability, the strength to get out of this mess. No, I will provide you. What's God going to provide? I'm going to provide you strength, and I'm going to provide you with, with help. He's the giver of strength. He's the giver of help. He gives that internal fortitude, that infor- uh, internal firmness, that strength, that resolve as we lean on him. Even as we learned Sunday, he gives that, that, that strength to mount up. The picture of the eagle locking its wings against the wind. 
He gives us the strength to mount up. I got to get out of this. I got to flap my way out of this. No, he gives us the strength if we'll trust him to mount up. He gives that internal fortitude, that support that he makes us stronger. And can someone else give us better and more effective strength than God? No. No. He says, I will strengthen thee. And it's like, he says, nah, I'm just not going to give you the, the resources that you need, the, the, the strength that you need, the support that you need. I'm going to actually go along with you. I'm going to walk with you. He says, I will help you. Yay, I will help you. I'm going to be there with you to, to walk side by side with you. And that's a super blessing when, when we think about how, how God deals with this, that he doesn't just uh, just give us, well, here and go figure it out on your own. Uh, you got the bank account, go figure it out on your own. You, you got the energy, go figure it out on your own. No, I'll walk with you along the way. I'll help you. I will aid you. I will assist you. I will give you service. And is there a more perfect helper than God? No. No. He says, I will help you. Uh, he did not say, I'm going to send an angel to help you. I'm going to send another person to help you. No, I will help you. I will be there. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Why? And be content with such things as you have. Why? For he has said, I will be, uh, never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And what does he go on to say? And I will not fear what man shall do to me. I don't have to fear because the Lord is my helper. He's my aid. He's at my right hand. He's walking alongside with me all the way along the way. And I re remember the Apostle Paul when he is there in, in uh, Nero's palace and in the courtroom and he's before Nero and he says, hey, no one's standing with me, but the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me. What's the picture there? He didn't just say the Lord strengthened me. He said the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me. He was there. He was there with me. I felt his presence. I, I knew he was there walking alongside of me. He gave me the strength. Why? So that my preaching might be fully made known and that all the Gentiles may hear. And God was interested in, in giving Paul the help that he needed. Not just the, the inner strength, not the resolve, but also the presence and being there. God assures his people that he will provide exactly what they need to please him, even in the midst of their trouble even when that trouble is brought on by their own actions. I'll give you what you need. I'll give you what you need. According as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Wow. Wow. What a God that we serve. He's present. He's personal. He's a provider of our, our strength and a provider of our, our help. But notice lastly here, yea, I will uphold thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Oh, what a beautiful picture. Being, a, being upheld, being carried along is the idea. And here, here's, here's a, a, a wonderful word. This idea of uphold is to maintain, to keep, to guard, to protect, to preserve. So what does God do us? What is God to these people that are in Babylon? I am your preserver. I'm the one that comes along and preserves your soul and preserves your, your livelihood and preserves you before me. I'm, I'm, I'm the one who preserves you. I maintain you. I, I, I don't allow anything to change. I, I protect you there. And here he is, preserving his people who are very, very discouraged there. 
We're struggling on it. Oh, man, messed up on God. Look at what we've gotten ourselves into. I'm your preserver. I'm the one who preserves you. And notice how he says, I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to uphold you with my right hand. Now, the right hand has a little bit of the idea of the, uh, in Scripture of God's military might. It's just kind of this, this majestic um, uh, wording that, that says, hey, God really has this. I mean, God is really strong, and all the host of heaven is represented in this this right hand of God, but he says, the right hand of my righteousness. I was trying to pull that apart in my mind. Think about that. The right hand of my righteousness, the right hand that is, that is, uh, is, is from my, my righteousness, my holiness, my perfection, my purity. The idea that, that, that God's might is without error, it's perfect. You never, you never have to wonder if God's might's going to be turned on you. It's perfect. It always does the right thing. It always does what is honoring, what is truthful, what is right. And he says, I'll preserve you in this way. I'll maintain you. I'll uphold you in this way. There's not one thing that God was not saying, I am giving to you as my people. I, I love you so much. Here it all is for you. What an incredible prayer promise. What an incredibly assuring answer to prayer. I will preserve you. Tomahawks were in hand these Indians had gathered around the tent of this missionary, this young, known for uh, giving his life, his all, uh, to, these, to these Indians to win them to the Lord. They, uh, they, crept around, they crept around the tent and they peered inside of the tent. They were going to kill, that day, they were going to kill David Brainerd. They were going to just tomahawk him. As they peered inside the tent, there he was on his knees, and uh, they also noticed that there was a rattlesnake that was in the tent and poised to strike David Brainerd. And their, their attention is, is, uh, is just kind of gripped by this sight. This man's going to, be, this man's going to die. Uh, the snake's going to do him in. But the snake did not strike. It lowered its head and glided out of the tent. It was a long time later, when David Brainer, the man, that man in the tent, found uh, out why the Indians at the village received him with such honor as they did. He had expected that they would want to kill him, but the reason for their change of heart was the report by their comrades that um, that, that had happened, that snake had not struck, that he had just glided away. The, uh, the Indians looked upon David Brainerd as a messenger from the Great Spirit, which he indeed was the great God. And it's just a reminder of how God upholds his people even in the midst of trouble. He preserves their lives. He cares for them. And whether it's trouble that is brought on by other people or trouble that we find ourselves in, our God remains the same. Does he allow consequences? Yes. They were there in Babylon because of the consequences of their own sin. But the fact is, our God upholds. Preserve me, O God, is a great prayer, David prays. Preserve me, O God. For in thee do I put my trust. And God assured his people, yes, I do preserve you. Paul, a little bit later, just after he stated that about my God, uh, no one else was with me, but my God was there. The Lord stood with me at my trial. He says in 2 Timothy 4.18, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. He'll uphold me. He'll maintain my cause. He'll be there for me until his heavenly kingdom, until he calls me home. 
I want you to turn over to Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 6. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 6. And let's end with this thought. Ah, that's just for Israel. That's just for the Bible days. Malachi 3 and verse number 6. Maybe you ought to underline this in your, in your Bible. The last, the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi. Right before Matthew, Malachi 3 and verse number 6. God reveals himself to his people. Again, they weren't, uh, they weren't doing the best. They were robbing God. They were uh, engaging in divorce and, and just the breaking of covenants in so many ways. But he says here in Malachi 3 and verse number 6, he says, For I am the Lord, there I am, Yahweh. And what are those next three words there? In Malachi 3.6, I change not. Say that again. I change not. I change not. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, as Hebrews says, right? And so the same God that wrote Isaiah 41.10 to his people to encourage them in the midst of their struggles is the same God that still has that heart for you and I today. And friends, that is the same God we can take and we can encourage others with that same truth. And so I encourage you, just remember what God did for his people. Remember how he loved them. Remember how he cared for them. Remember how he, he looked after them. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. Yeah, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Isn't our God awesome? He sure is. Father, would you just help us to rest in you? Would you help us to love you? Would you help us to respond to your extravagant mercy in our lives? Even when we're in, the, in trouble that we deserve, that you, you don't abandon us? Lord, how thankful we are for that. Thank you for, thank you for how your mercy reaches out to us. Thank you for... Uh, how effective your word is to us in those times. And I pray that this, this truth, this promise, this answer that you gave to your people so many years ago would also, Lord, we would take it to heart in our own lives and then give it to others who might be despairing because they are in a situation, Lord, where they've allowed themselves to um, sin against you and are facing the consequences of that. Lord, I pray that you would encourage their hearts through us. Thank you for what you'll do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just bow there and thank your Father for being such a kind and gracious Father tonight. Worship him there in prayer.